Now, you have your Bible with you tonight? I announced last night I was going to speak tonight on some things we never get over. Some things along life's pathway. Scars that you carry to your brain. Some things that you... Oh, God, to loving and compassionate and forgiving God. But there's some things that even though you've been forgiven, listen, you'll carry with you till you die. Some things you'll never get over. And I want you to look in your Bible to Second Samuel, if you will. Second Samuel, chapter fourteen. Uh, no, Second Samuel, uh, chapter twelve. And we're going to read there just a few verses, and then I'm going to bring you the message. Second Samuel, chapter twelve. Uh, I'm going to begin reading with verse seven. So I want you to stand. If you have your Bible, we're going to reverence the reading of the Word of God. I want you to stand. I'm going to bring you the message in just a moment. But I want you to listen as I read the Word of God, beginning with verse 7 of 2 Samuel chapter 12. You remember that here's a man called Nathan. And Nathan had just preached a sermon to a man called David. And in verse 7 we find him uh, still talking. And he says, And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, I know thee be king over Israel. I have delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives unto thy bosom, and gave thee thy master of Israel and of Judah. Thou hast been up too little. I would have moreover have given thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord? Stop there just a moment. He said, David... David, why didn't you love the commandment of God? I don't understand why people don't love this book. I don't understand why people don't love the Bible. It's the best thing you've had in your hand all day today. You haven't handled anything in your hand today that's greater than the precious Word of God. And I'm glad that I love the Word of God. Boy, I'm glad I can reach up and get it down and read it and find it a soothing, a soothing bomb. In Gilead. Look at what the Bible said. Despise command of the Lord to do evil in his sight. And thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thy house. I want you to see this. He said, David, as long as you live, your house will have a sword hanging in it. David, as long as you live, There'll be a sword, a sword dripping with blood, no doubt, in your house, because thou hast despised me and taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Now I want you to look this way, and then I'm going to have you to be seated, and I'm going to bring you the message tonight, entitled, listen, I believe it'll help you, some things you'll never get over. David was forgiven. No doubt about it. You want to read that great prayer in Psalm 51? It'll stir your heart. How God, I pleaded for mercy, and said, have mercy upon me. And God forgave David. But I want to tell you, the sword never left his house the longest day that he lived. He committed a sin, and the scar and the sword was there to prick him until the day he died. And my friend, there are some things 
that people never get over. And in just a moment, I'll bring you that message. But I want you to be seated all over the house, if you will. Every head bowed, every eye closed, our Father. Uh, we thank you tonight for the good singing. Oh, it's been blessed. Thank you tonight that we can come and enjoy the blessings of God. I thank you that you are loving, kind, compassionate God. And that you will forgive all that call upon your name. But Lord, I recognize that there are some things when people get reached up in, there comes a time when they'll suffer and wear the scar unto death. So I pray that you'll speak to every heart. And oh God, may this be an unusual service. And we'll praise you for all you've done. Because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Beloved, I want to speak tonight on the subject some things that you never get over. Before I get into the message, let me mention two things that I don't want to get over. Somebody said, what are those two things? First of all, when God saved me, I tell you, I'm glad I got saved so good. I've never gotten over it. Somebody said, how do you enjoy it? I enjoy it more tonight than I did tonight. God saved me. You see, I know more about what salvation is. I didn't know very much that night. Oh, when Jesus reached that hand down, lifted me out of the pit of corruption, set my feet on the solid rock, cleansed me from my sin. I didn't know much about it, but I knew that something had happened. I trusted in His name. And I know some people, better they profess and say they're saved and they get over it in two days. I've been saved 40-something years, and it's better now than it ever has been. And I never want to get over it. The thrill of it. Oh, I want to tell you something to be saved. It's something to be called a child of God. It's wonderful to walk out and say, you know, my Father is in heaven. Thank God my Savior is interceding for me at the right hand of the Father. It's blessed to have that as an experience called salvation. Salvation is not a handshake and a card sign. Salvation is a divine change that comes with a man at an encounter with God and the Lord Jesus Christ forgives him. And he's forgiven by the grace of God. He's counted as a child of God and a son of God. Isn't that wonderful? So I hope I never get over that. Secondly, I hope I never get over the times that God's filled me with the Spirit. You say the times? Preacher, that's cool. That's right. I'm glad he said you keep on feeling. But I never will forget the first time the Lord filled me with the Spirit. We were down at Pelham Baptist Church right out of Greenville. And the 64 Baptist preachers out there praying for God's power to be in our lives. And we were out there in a child pastor. I never will forget it. We were praying. Brother Sipher said to me, Brother Mays, how about preaching? I said, preaching? Out in the dark? I can't even see the Bible. He said, just quote a verse and right off to preaching. I quoted some verse. I forget what it was. And I started preaching. And those preachers got to running, climbing trees. I've never been to the Atlanta 500. I've never been to the Talladega 500. I've never been to the Indianapolis 500, but I've been to the Holy Ghost 500. I want to tell you, you had a time, and they were climbing trees. There was a lady 
that lived next door there to the church of the Calvinist. And she's one of these high-brow ladies. And she didn't believe in any emotion. And she didn't believe and enjoy this thing. And she got excited and she ran over and took the phone and called up to the highway patrol office in Greer. And when the man said, hello, she said, help! Help! And the patrolman, the sergeant said, what's wrong? She said, there's a bunch of preachers running wild down here in the camp forward, been in your home. You can be forgiven. You can be cleansed. You can be a child of God. But like David, that can be a sword hanging in your home as long as you live. You see, David never got over that sword. First, his little baby died. Come on, the sword in death. You'll find that in the same chapter. They were afraid to tell David. And finally they went in and said, David, the child is dead. Oh, that God that broke his heart. The sword was in his house. Then his beautiful daughter Tamar had a beautiful daughter named Tamar. And she was ravished by her brother Aegon, left on the floor bloody. And when David went out and looked at that beautiful daughter, I imagine he said, oh God, the sword is still in my house. I imagine then when Abram was stabbed. You know, the Bible said that Abram came to a party and one of the men took a knife and punched that knife in his stomach and sent him out in deep But the sad part of it all, David had a heart string. Oh, his name was Absalom. And the Bible said that he was hanged in a tree by the hair of his head. And when David got off his horse, or his mule, he walked out to that tree and said, Oh, Absalom, Absalom, oh, I want you to be me, Absalom. I want to tell you, David had a sword, and David never got over that sword. It went with him to his dream. And if you've got your pencils tonight, I want to give you five things from the Word of God that you'll never get over. You say, preacher, is there anything in the Word of God that I'll never get over? Number one, you'll never get over wasting youth. Young people, you listen to me. You can sow your wild oats and forget God. But I want to tell you one day, you'll look back with the scars that the devil's placed on you. You'll say, I wish that I started when I was young. Now listen to me. I was 18 and a half when God saved me. Wasn't quite 19. Now I know it's impossible. I know this is not good theology. And I'm going to tell you it's not. But I wish I could do it all over again. You say, what do you mean? I wish I could be born all over again. Live my life over. I'd like to get saved at nine months. Kick out the slats at ten. Jump out of the bed at one year old. And sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. You say, I know you couldn't. I said I couldn't. But praise God. God, I'd like to think about it. My life would be different in my youth. No wonder the Bible teaches, remember my Creator in the days of my youth before that evil things come upon you. Listen to me. A young person that wastes his life. A young person that burns a charitable ends like the prodigal son that went down into the far country. I don't know how long he stayed, but he stayed till he got 
tired of sin, but he ended in the hog pen. No doubt he had the scars of a wasted life, and one day he came to himself. Now I believe all the rest of his days, he looked back and said, I wish I had not left home. I believe all the rest of his days, he looked back and he said, oh, those days I spent in righteous living, I spent away from God, and away from home, and away from everything that was holy and dear. I want to tell you, I don't believe he ever got over it. I know the Bible said the Father saw him afar off and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him and said, Welcome home, son. Oh, this is my son that was alive, dead, but is alive. This is my son which was lost, but is found, and they made merry. But I believe, years later, that prodigal son looked back on life and he said, My God, I wish I had not left home. I would that I'd never gotten in the country of sin, away from God. I would that I'd never gotten in that place. I had a man saved. I remember several years ago, one of the oldest men I've ever had saved in one of the meetings. They had to help him to the altar. He was 92 years old. And as he came down the aisle, oh, I said, get him a chair. He can't kneel. And they got him a chair. And he sat down that chair, held up those hands toward God. And after a few minutes, I told him how to be saved. I called on the name of the Lord. And Jesus saved him. You say, how do you know? He reached out and saved me right there. Praise God, it was real. And the man couldn't quit crying. And I said to him, wait a minute, brother. You're saved. He said, I know it. Let me cry. I said, mister, you don't have to cry anymore. Right now, I said, you're saved. Let's be merry. Let's rejoice. He said, no, brother, please. He said, why couldn't I have been saved? And he used to know. Oh, he said, all of the years that I wasted. He said, I wasted my youth. Oh, he said, if I could have just been saved as a young man and given my life to God and made it count for God. Oh, he said, I wouldn't have been sorry. I want to tell you something tonight. Young people, you listen to me. I can't preach to your mother. Your mother's already wasted those days if she wasted them. I can't preach to your daddy about it. If he wasted his life as a young man, it's too late now. Wasted years. He'll never get over those wasted years. I went into the hospital down in Atlanta, and I went in to see a man. I'd never seen a man with this kind of disease, and I can't tell you what kind he was. And I stepped over to him. He said, Preacher, you believe in math? And I said, Yeah. He said, I've got an equation. Would you, would you solve it for me? I said, I'll try. He said, when I was a young man, I ran away from home. Ended up in Mexico. Spent 45 minutes in sin. And I've lived 45 years of misery. He said, how can you make it equal? 45 minutes in sin, he said. Awful sin. And he said, for 45 years, I've reaped the harvest. And he said, I've wasted those days when they could have been productive, when I could have done something for God. I want to tell you the best thing in the world is when a young man walks down this aisle and said, bless the Lord, I want to know Jesus, and I want to live for God. The best thing in the world is a young person that walk down this aisle and come to Jesus. What a wonderful thing. 
Now I have a lot of good preacher friends. Brother Kieran, Brother Carlton, all you preachers, I love you. But I didn't want any preacher to lead my voice to God. I said, God, I want you to know, Lord, I want to be preaching when my voice is saved. Now I said, Lord, I don't want my voice to go old without Jesus. I said, Lord, I don't want to travel over America preaching the gospel of the grace of God. And my own voice wished their lives. And they didn't. And I didn't either one of them to God. I remember I came home and I lived in Greenville. Across from Bob Jones University out there on that big highway. I lived out there. I remember I came home one night, my wife said, Lord's crying. I went in and I knelt by his bed. I said, honey, what's the matter? He said, Daddy, I want to tell you something good. I said, while you was gone, I got on a conviction. And you're in revival, but Mama got me out of bed. Boy, me and him had a shout and good time. I said, Lord, I got two more. I got two more. And it wasn't long that came home one night and God said, Maze, you need to go in and see no. I went in to my middle-aged boy and he's lying at the bed. He's just a crying. I said, well, who licked the red off of you again, buddy? He said, uh, nobody. He said, well, he was gone. I said, can't anybody get saved around here while I'm around, bless God. And he looked at me and he said, Mama got me out of bed. I'm not saved. Got me on my knees. And I said, well, that's wonderful. And it came Christmas that year. I was in a little office I had there in the house and, and knocked him to the door. My youngest boy is my funny boy. I mean, uh, he's not a preacher, but he'd have been the best preacher of the whole crowd. And he knocked on the door, and I said, Come in, Dale! I said, You're not going to have any candy, and you're not going to get any presents. And I said, You just put that down. He started crying. I said, Well, what in the world's the matter with you? He said, While well, you're gone. He said, I got a conviction. Mama got me out of bed, and got down by the bed, and Jesus saved me. I grabbed him, and started shouting, and Doc said, What are y'all? About. I said, bless God, you may be able to lead them to Jesus, but I'll get to baptize them. Praise the Lord. And I had the best time you've ever seen in your life. Oh, you say, praise your knees. While they were young, wasted years. People never get over wasted years. Secondly, people never get over wasted opportunities. When God opens that door, and Mr. this church doesn't go in that door, God closes that door of opportunity. The Bible said, Behold, I set before thee an open door. Paul said he was an effectual door. I believe that God opened doors for me, but my faith was weak and I didn't go in. I believe they were wasted opportunities. And beloved, if you're here tonight and you're saved for the grace of God, don't waste your opportunities. One of the most beautiful pictures of Jesus in the Bible. Except Revelation 1. That's the most beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus in the Bible. It tells you how his eyes Oh, if you want to see a picture of Jesus, look in Revelation 1. But one of the most beautiful pictures of my Lord in the Bible. He was standing over Jerusalem at night. And he held out his hands. And he said, oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. How often would I gather together? As a hen would have brood, but you would not. And Mr. they wasted their opportunities. Where they and chance and come to coals. And Jesus stood there with his hands outstretched. 
Christ. And they missed their opportunities. One of the saddest verses that the dangerous use is the verse over in Jeremiah 8.20. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. They're not saved. One of these days, listen, harvest time is going to be over. And listen to me, it'll be too late if they're not saved and if they're not right with God. You'll never get over wasted opportunities. I never will forget, I heard Lee Robinson once in a morning service over in a place called Johnson City, Tennessee. And he told this, he said it was Christmas. And he said the week before Christmas, I went down to a little town called Jacksonville, Alabama. And he said I was in the church there and they had a little hotel on Main Street in Jacksonville, Alabama. And he said they had the lights out there on the streets. And, and he said I told the preacher, let me walk to church. I'll come back down Main Street to the church. And he said, I, I like to hear those carols. And he said, as I walked each night, I had a few tracks in my hand. And my Bible going down to the church to preach. And I came to a little place, a little store, and I went in and I said, I want to give you a track, young lady. I know you're busy, but read it tomorrow. And he said he came to one store where there's a shoe, uh, shoe store where a young man was trying on shoes. And he said he had a track in his hand. And he said he looked at that track and there were several waiting to have his shoes fitted. And he said, well, Lord, I'll just put it in my Bible and this is that man's track. I'll give it to him tomorrow night. He said the next night he walked down that street and we could hear him singing over the loudspeakers, Silent Night. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. He said, I was feeling so good. And I walked out and I came to that store. And I reached and got that track. It was that young man, the only clerk in the store. And he, he said, I started in there. And there were more people waiting for shoes to be fitted than the night before. He said, well, I'll wait till tomorrow night. He said, I'll, I'll have opportunity maybe to tomorrow night. He said he came back the next night walking down the street and the lights were out in the shoe store and there was a wreath on the door. And he said, I went to the next little store and I said, how about the shoe curtain over there? I've got something for him. Well, he said, the lady said, didn't you hear about it, mister? said, last night going to Talladega, Alabama to his mother's. His car turned over and he was killed. Lee Robinson said, I looked at that track and said, my Lord, I had two opportunities. Oh, God, you even told me that track was for him. And I did not obey you. I waited and waited because the boy was busy. Let me say to every one of you here, oh, just listen to me. If you're here in the service, there is such a thing as a wasted opportunity. Number three, write this down quickly. Willful neglect of your children. I want you to hear me. Hear me well on this. I said willful neglect of your children. If you neglect your children to make money. If you neglect your children, brother, for this world. Someday you're going to be sorry. I want to make a confession tonight. And I believe preachers ought to do that. I went away to preach to other people, and I neglected my children. I remember when I was sick the first time, my three sons came in the hospital room and asked the nurse, said, we want to lie down across our daddy, and thank God that he's our daddy. And we want to pray that God will raise him up, that he can break some more. I didn't even know they were lying across the bed. But oh, listen to me, I'm glad they laid down across my 
somebody and prayed for me. Let me say, my boys are grown and they're married. But I can't care what they might do. Are you listening to me? I don't know what my children are doing. But the Bible said, train up a child in the way he should go. Listen, Proverbs 22 and verse 6. And when he's old, he'll not depart from those things. I want to tell you, but if you neglect them willfully, I mean, if you say, I don't have time for them. Let me tell you what my mother used to do. You, you think this is kind of foolish, but I don't think it's foolish. When I was a little boy was in the mountains in Hendersonville, North Carolina. My mother was a wonderful Christian. And she'd say, Life is, I didn't know how to walk, but I was in the world, hardly. Couldn't walk. And then I got to take a few steps, and on and on. But every day, Mother would pick me up in her arms and say, God save my boy. And every day, as a little fella, my mother looked at me and said, His name is Jesus. Remember his name. It's Jesus. I want to tell you, I've been in a lot of dark places in life, but I remember my name. Jesus, my mother told me about Jesus. But oh, what a blessing it is, my friend. Well, let me tell you this tonight, if you willfully neglect your children, there'll come a time you'll never get over that. You'll never get over that. It's awful when you willfully neglect your children. I was in Lancaster, South Carolina several years ago, and a preacher said to me about holding me, he said, Brother Mays, there's a woman that needs you here in this town. And I said, really? He said, yes, she's in trouble. Oh, awful trouble. Said her boy was killed, shot drunk on a dance hall floor. And the bodies over there at the house, would you go by? I know you're tired. I said, I'm never too tired for somebody like this. And I went over there and I walked up on the porch of that little house and walked in and they had the body there in the living room and the register there to sign. I went back and a little mother was lying on the couch and they were doing her first aid. And the teacher said, call her name and said, this is Brother Mays. You hear his broadcast, don't you, honey? And she looked up and said, Brother Mays, reckon God will forgive me. And I said, sure he will. Oh, she said, I'm saved. I'm not talking about that. She said, God gave me three sons. I neglected those sons, Brother Mays. And she said, listen, if you've ever heard anything as sad as this, that little mother lying there looked up with tears in her eyes and said, Brother Mays, one's out trying in the casket. Die shot, drunk on a dance hall floor. Said, if you'll go down here to the county jail, I got one waiting a murder charge. Said, if you'll go to Columbia, South Carolina, where the Mental Institute is, I've got one in there so crazy, he doesn't know his name. He's insane, Mother Mays. He's insane. That little mother reached up that little old trembling hand and said, I neglected my children. Oh, willful neglecting your children. Now, if you talk to your child the scriptures, as Paul was talking to Timothy, and if you live godly around your children, and if you brought them to church, you say, why, Brother Mays, they don't want to come. Bring them anyway. Let's God grab them up and bring them anyway. Somebody said, well, there's a generation gap in my house, and they didn't come. My daddy never had any trouble with a generation gap. His belt filled every bit of that gap. Praise God. I never had any trouble. I might not have wanted to go to church, but I went to church. I didn't open my mouth, but I had to go just the same. I thought I heard more preaching. 
I went when they had the BYP and XYZs and everything else. I had to tend all of that stuff. And I thought, Lord, they're cramming religion down my throat. But oh, the seventy, even in my lost condition, every once in a while, some uh, seed fell on the ground. Well, you say, Brother Nace, listen to me. Well, for me, glad to be children. Let me give you two biblical illustrations quickly. One's negative, one's positive, and I'll go on. There's a man named Eli in the Bible. And God said, Eli, because you spring, restrain not your sons who come around for us. There'll be a curse on your home. You didn't restrain your children hoping on for us. You remember the sad story of those two boys. Secondly, there's a mother in First Samuel chapter 1, a mother to be. She went in the temple and boy, the preacher heard her. Preacher heard her cry. And she cried, Lord, I'm bitter. I'm bitter. My womb is closed. Oh, God, if you'll give me a man's call, I'll give him back to you all the days of his life. I like that. Listen to what Hannah prayed. Oh, God, if you'll give me a man's child, I'll give him back to you all the days of his life. And a razor shall never come to his head. Oh, that mother made that vow to hold her. Let me see if you will for me. Neglect your children. You'll never get over it. One day you'll come to the end of the way. Look back and say, I've failed my little boy. I've failed my little girl. I've failed my children. You'll never get over willful neglect. Number four, you'll never get over a warped mind. I mean, the devil can warp your mind in such a way that you'll never get over it. John tells us they could not believe. In John 12, verse 29, it said they could not believe. Thank God I could believe. I'm glad I believed on Jesus. And thank God he forgave me of my sin. John 12 didn't say they wouldn't. It said they couldn't believe. Read that before you get home. Romans chapter 1 says God turned them over to a reprobate mind. God gave them up to a mind that was petrified, to a mind that, that could not change. But I'm glad Jesus said, let this same mind be in you, which is also, also in Christ Jesus. I'm glad, praise the Lord, you can have the mind of the Lord. Oh, what a blessing it is to think on heavenly things and spiritual things and godly things. What a blessing that is. But did you ever see a man with a reprobate mind? You ever see a person with a what mind that couldn't couldn't believe? Couldn't believe. Brother Kenneth was telling us about such a man. Asked him about it. He said he couldn't believe. He couldn't believe. Right on the Couldn't believe. Have you ever met a person with such a mind that that mind had been so twisted to sin? That mind had so petrified like a rock that it had become reprobate. And it was a mind that couldn't be changed. Oh, let me tell you something. I, everybody knows where more gets than this. There's a man here, pastor of a church over there. I lived in Finnersonville. I was a young preacher. And I had a friend. His mama had him put in jail because he's crazy over religion. She's the one that ought to have been put in jail. And then finally, she had him sent to Morganton because he's crazy over God. Now listen to me. You don't go crazy in the book. The Bible said meditate day and night in the book. 
said, Job, I said, Joshua, meditate. They, you think God to tell you to do something, run you crazy. Now, you may go crazy outside of the book, but bless God, you won't go crazy in the book. Meditate day and night. And this mother had him since the morning. And I ought to be equipped. Boy, I've made so many bad mistakes. I waited two years before I went to see him. But that's the most blessed time I ever had. I went over there, and I had a special pass to see him. And I, they signed a nice intern to go with me. They said, Mr. Jackson, we're going to have to take you back to a big cell, back to a big cell block where there's 81 insane men. And I said, well, I want to see Odell. I, I don't care. I want to see Odell. He said, all right. He said, you're going to see. But as we got closer, he said, no, there's another man, another doctor needs to take you. He said, he tells me miracles have happened in that cell. And I said, all right. So I waited. Another intern came. He took me down there and said, you know, I give him shock treatments. I give him some kind of serum treatments. But said that boy that came from Hendersonville and his mother put in here said he made a change in this whole cell block. <laughs> said he's done more than shot treatment. Said he's done more than shots in the arm. I said, really? Said, wait till we open the door. And another man opened the big iron door there. Now I walked in and over in the corner. My friend Odell was over there singing, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. That calls me from the world of terror. Oh, I want to tell you, heaven came down. I walked on, he looked at me, and he said, Brother Mays, you ever been through the fire? And I never had. I was a young preacher. I never suffered. And I said, no. He said, preacher, I don't want to have to discourage you. But said, you'll never be any good till you go through the fire. If I could see him now, I could change my mind. Tell him, bless God, I know what it is to go through that fire. But he said, did you been through the fire? And doctor said, show him over here. Odell? Odell said, do you like me to show you something? And he said, Brother Mays, don't feel sorry for me. This is my mission field. said, you see that man over there? They had him in a straight jacket when I came in here. I sang hymns to him and read the Bible till he got saved. Look at him now. He's over there reading the Bible. <laughs> Woo! I said, go with the God that blesses me. And I, he said, let's go over here. I want to show you something else. He said, now, this man's just like a little child, but he was violent when I came in here. And I walked over there, and the man looked, reached out to touch me, just this tender. And old man said, sing that song for him. And that man stood there, and the tears streaked down his cheeks, and he sang, Jesus loves me. <laughs> I know. Oh, what a tear. I said, praise God. What a wonderful thing it is. What a wonderful thing it is. Before I left there, the man took me to see a man I wished he'd have never taken me to see. I went into a cell and I stood there and looked through bars. That man wouldn't keep covering the room. He, yeah, they, they had, they had uh, some kind of a, uh, I guess you'd call it uh, a special mattress made so he couldn't tie it up. And he'd run around in there and wring his fingers. And that mad doctor said to me, there's no help for him. I said, let me speak to him. I'll speak to him, sir. And I said, friend, my name's Mays Jackson. I'm a preacher. I want to tell you that God loves you. He came over where I was and said, you see those bugs? You see those rats? And I said, no, there are no bugs up there. No, there's no rats over there. He said, yes, there is. Watch out. It'll bite you. I said, no, there's no rat going to bite me. That doctor tapped me on the shoulder, and he said he's got a reprobate mind. I said, wait a minute. 
Where did you get such language, Doc? Oh, he said, that means it's like a rock. It's unchangeable. I said, did you know it says in, in Romans chapter 1 that they went into vile affections and they went into the unnatural sins of the flesh and God gave them over to a reprimand. And when I said that, he said, I didn't know that was in the Bible. But this man has got a reprobate mind. His mind had been warped. Oh, listen to me. You better be glad that you can think tonight. You better be glad that you have your facilities to think with. Thank God. I'm glad I changed my mind about God in sin many years ago. And praise the Lord. I'm glad heaven's on my mind. I even like that song that says, I woke up with heaven on my mind. I think it's good to go to sleep with heaven on your mind. It's good. Praise the Lord. But I want you to know tonight, if you have a warm and a reprobate mind it'll go with you to the grave number five and I'll close there's a wicked sin in the Bible awful wicked in Psalms 19 it's called the great transgression David said Lord don't let me commit the great transgression oh God he said don't let me commit that sin you'll turn to 1 John 5 16 the Bible said there is a sin under death. There's a sin. If you cross that deadline, it brings death. And it may be sudden, it may be slow, but it's called a sin unto death. And when men commit that sin, they never get over the sin unto death. You say, Preacher Mays, I remember a case in Atlanta, Georgia. Men killed his two little children. I never will forget it. They worked with him and they prayed with him. They tried to help him. Two good preacher friends of mine went down to the jail and prayed with him and asked God to help him and asked God to deliver him. And he said, boys, I want to tell you, I've committed the sin of the dead. And he said, I'll carry it with me where I die today, I die next week. The death sentence over my head. And said to Brother Al, a good preacher friend of mine in Atlanta, said, Mr. I want to tell you, preacher. He said, the death sentence is over my head. I have committed a sin that's called the sin of Jesus. And he say this to you, if you cross over that line, oh, there is a sin. It's a wicked sin. Because there has no forgiveness. It's called a sin unto death. Let me give you this and I'll close. I remember several years ago I was in Clarion, Pennsylvania. A wonderful, beautiful place up there. We're on the radio up there and these sermons will go up there. And we, but I had some good friends up there, Dutch people. I was up there in a meeting and I was in Zion Baptist Church. Most beautiful scenery you've ever seen. Seventeen acres of nothing but lawn. Because they had a military academy there. They tore down the buildings and put up a Baptist church. Beautiful big church called Mount Zion Baptist Church. I was up there, Zion Baptist Church. I'd been preaching all week, and Brother Earl Thomas had kept saying to me, Mace, he said, we got a fellow here, but if God don't do something in this meeting, he's a goner. He said, he's trembled, he's held on the back of the beach. <laughs> Brother Mays, that man's under great conviction. He said, I believe if that man doesn't get saved, oh, he said, that man will die and go to hell. It was Sunday afternoon. I was in a rabbit service. Why in the world I had that little pulpit light on, I don't know. 
I never cut it on. The first one here tonight, I never cut it on. But that day in Zion Baptist Church in Clarion, Pennsylvania, I had it on. And when I said, we're going to pray in just a moment, I reached over and cut it off. And when I cut that pulpit light off, a man jumped up, that same man, and screamed and said, Cut it back on, preacher maze. And so I accommodated him. I reached over and I cut it back on. And when I did, he ran out of the Zion Baptist Church as fast as he could go. And I said, Earl, what's wrong? Actually finished. I, his wife came down and said, Pray for him. He, he's probably going to commit suicide. I said, No, not surely. Surely not going to commit suicide. Down below the church is the Allegheny River. You ever heard of the Allegheny? Beautiful Allegheny River. I got out of the church and started the airport with Brother Thomas. I said, Thomas, when you find him, call me. So the next day they hadn't found him. The next day they had they called the militia, the highway, the Pennsylvania Highway Patrol. On Wednesday, the man that cut the grass around the church went down to the church and went over to the little utility house of the church. Went in and got the riding lawnmower. Started to make one circle around the church and when he came to the back door, that man was lying with his hands stretched toward that door. He jumped off and found the man cold in death. He ran into the church and called Brother Earl and said, We found him. He's here at the back door, but he never made it, Earl. He never made it. And boy, I'll tell you, that night, Earl went to prayer meeting and went by the funeral home and called me from the funeral home and said, Mace. I said, Yes, Earl. He said, We found him. He said, He must have down at the Allegheny River below the church and then tried to make his way back on Wednesday morning. Hadn't been there too long, but he died in about 10 or 11 feet of the back door of that church. And I said, Earl, what do you think? He said, when he hollered at you Sunday afternoon, cut the light back on. He said, God, cut the light out of them. He walked out of that church and ran out of that church and went down, he said, possibly the Allegheny River, and he stayed there in the banks and, and grieved that he committed sin. And the next year, when our airplane hit the ground in Pittsburgh, and the little cub plane picked me up and flew me up to Clarion, the beautiful Allegheny Mountains in Pennsylvania, the little airplane landed in Earl said, where do you want to go, Mays, down to the motel? I said, no, take me out to the cemetery. He took me out to the cemetery, and I walked out there with my Bible in my hand. Earl said, there's where I laid him to rest. But it was too late. He said, God, cut the light out on him. He said, no, that man committed the sin of death, I'm sure, on that Sunday. Walked out of that church and never did have another call from God. He said, what a shame it was, the sin of death. He never got over it. Every head bowed, if I closed over house. While your heads are bowed, now listen to what the book says. The Bible says, The Word of God, the sword shall be in thy house. Forever in thy house it shall be, David. David found forgiveness with the Lord. Oh, what a blessing. He found forgiveness. God forgave David. But David carried that sword in his house all the days of his life. He never got over that sword, Kenneth. He never got over that sword in his house hanging. Oh, 
There are some things, beloved, some scars that you'll never get over. Listen to me. Some of you young people don't waste your youth. Tonight, run to Jesus. Oh, some of you teenagers, come to Jesus. Don't waste that youth. And then some of you Christians don't waste those opportunities. The harvest is going to be over. The summer's going to be past. It'll be too late. The door's coming closed. Paul said there's an effectual door open up for me. Oh, I believe God's opened up an effectual door here for Winkler's Grove. Don't let God close it. Don't miss out on the opportunity. Don't waste your opportunity. Oh, listen. There's willful neglect of your children. Willful neglect. Some of you that didn't care, baby. Oh, those little kids need more than that. Mother, won't you come down here tonight and get on your knees and pray for them? You neglected your children. Daddy, why don't you come get on your knees? Oh, listen to me. Come. Then if you're here tonight and the devil's been kind of confused and warped your mind, don't let it become reprimanded, oh God. Why don't you come while you can think? Let this mind be in you. And then last, don't commit that wicked sin. David cried, keep me from that great transgression. John the Beloved said, there is a sin that brings death. A sin unto death. Thank you for listening. Oh, my friends, it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to come to Jesus. It's time to get straightened out with God. Mom, it's time to come. Daddy, it's time to come. Young girl and young boy, it's time to come tonight. Father, I bleed the blood now. I brought the message, the sword, and some things that we never get over. And I pray that these precious ones that have heard the word of God, Lord, they'll come. Lord, that they'll run to this altar. That they'll cry out to God while the Lord will hear them. You said in Proverbs 1, one day they'll call, but I'll not answer them. One day they'll seek me, but they can't find me. Oh, Lord, tonight, speak to every mother, speak to every daddy, speak to every son, every daughter. Now, while our hits are bad.